This is the Michael Elliott Show, episode 43 today. We have very special guest, not in the house, but in this virtual chat room. We are meeting again and again more people, and I love this. Today, very special guest, we have Piero Pucci. Please give it up. And we are live. How are you doing, Piero? I'm good. How about you? I am amazed at your name because Piero is a very good soccer player. Yes. yes. And a good coach, too. Yeah, he's coaching now? For Juventus, yes. Ooh. Oh, so he did finally retire, eh? Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm what? surprised you actually said his name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You, I'm okay with this. Like I, I, the sportsmanship. You know, teams play against each other, but in the end, it's all it's the same game, and we all come together. That's right. And uh, you know, may the better team win. I'm fine with that. So that's right. Take yeah, care. Yeah. So sometimes <laughs> there's bad years for Germany, and then sometimes there's bad years for Italy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how old was he when he retired from the active playing career? Oh, I want to say thirty six, thirty seven, but uh, mm. can't exactly. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're thinking Del Piero? Sorry, I'm thinking Pirlo. Pirlo's the coach of Juventus right now, and ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah thirty six, thirty seven. Might have been older actually. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was in his forties. He might have been. Yeah. 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 Wow. But uh, Buffon is still playing, so. Yes. Also Juventus? Now I'm giving myself away. I don't know. He's Juventus, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, Juventus is a strong team right now. Yes, yeah. The last couple of games have been interesting, but uh, it's, uh, it's it's also a bit strange, of course, with COVID, you know. It's, mm. uh, with no, no crowd, it's always uh, interesting to watch, and you can hear everything, right? Yes. Even the bad words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes do you like is it so in italy in germany they call them ghost games where there's no people allowed in the stadium how is that italian word for this um occurrence now do they i'm have not sure actually. yeah yeah okay yeah it's just yeah it's just quiet games yeah it's just mm. uh yeah it's it's interesting to you know it's interesting to watch uh I mean, I, I enjoy watching the Serie A games, and I also enjoy watching the Premier League. Mm. But it's uh, especially with the Premier League, you know, the crowd was so close to the game, right? And, uh, yeah. and now it's like it's not, that excitement's not there, right? So, but it's nice to see that they're still playing, and mm -hmm. you know, I still enjoy watching the strategy, and you know, and uh, watching. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, for a novice, it's like when they're watching, it just looks like they're kicking the ball back and forth, right? But yes, you know, it's watching the strategy. So yes, it is. Yes, people sometimes say, "Oh, the game is so slow," and you know, I can't watch it. It's like it's not like hockey, and and that's good. Yeah. But I mean, like you are right. There's so much strategy in it. You know, yeah. and if like the first was... sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I was fortunate to play when I was younger, so oh. I had played a few years, so, yeah, so. What did you play? Defense. Okay, defense is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always say, without the defense, you cannot win. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> did you go for those def those headers when you throw your body all in there and you just like... Oh, yeah, 
Wow. Yeah, I threw my body quite a bit. So, mm. yeah. That's interesting. I always used to hit the strikers, right? So, yes. Yeah, defense is amazing. I, I only did like, we played every day. I moved here in 2006, so I was just finishing high school. And then we, but when we were children, we played every day after school outside. And I usually was, I usually played goalie. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then eventually I shifted away from that. And I'm I'm a lefty. And I didn't notice that like lefties are not special, but more rare. Where on which side, wherever you play, sometimes you don't have as many lefties available. So That's right. And, and I started writing with the left hand too. And then my parents, good for them, they changed me to write with the right hand because it would be easier in the system. Right, because back then not everything was like organized to be able to write that way. Hmm. So yeah, so now I write, I play soccer with the left, and I write with the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so now we have talked about the banner in the background. So now we can switch it around a little bit. Uh, Vince said to me that you are an absolutely amazing guest to be on the show. And I said, okay, let's do this. And I hit you up and then, you know, he gave you heads up first. Uh, Michael will hit you up and then here you are now tonight. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, of course. So there's, I want to talk about first a little bit about what you do at the moment and in your career. So now, because I find like, I only came across this organization, if that's the proper term, through social media. I was not aware of that before. So you work for the CEDC, right? That's right. Yeah. So the official name, the Thunder Bay Community Economic Development Commission, it was formed in 2006 by city council at the time. And the idea behind the organization was to represent the city, but also at the same time represent industry and uh You know, just like it sounds like economic development, you try to, you know, help to develop the economy uh, in simple terms. And uh, our role is quite diverse. It's become, ever since I started the job eight and a half years ago, um, it's changed uh, actually quite dramatically. Oh. Um, when I was initially hired, I was hired on as a, you know, economic development officer or development officer one to be official and uh, mm. in HR terms. And uh, my role was to, you know, business retention and expansion to help businesses that were looking to either retain their business or expand their businesses. Uh, but over the years, my role has grown. Um, you know, talent became an important part of uh, small and medium-sized enterprises in Thunder Bay, mm. meaning their companies were looking for talent and labor. And uh, so actually my first year of my job, you know, first we thought, you know, funding and financing was the most critical thing, but what we found quickly was, that didn't mean anything if you didn't have people to work for you. Okay. So, um, you know, so quickly morphed into a role of trying to work with, uh, you know, different employment agencies, city partners, the planning board and others uh, to help find that labor for, for companies. Mm. So, and that's, the role has grown into, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to, you know, it grew into a supervisory role mm -hmm. I manage, uh, Directly, I manage, uh, you know, three great people. Uh, Ryan Moore, who manages the the Small Business Enterprise Center. Okay. Uh, that deals with startup companies. Mm. Uh, Lexi Penko, who handles health recruitment. 
Uh, as we know, that's become a very important uh, sector in Thunder Bay's economy. And um, Emily Lazon manages the uh, Rural Northern Immigration Pilot Program. Ah. So, and that's a fairly new uh, role. Um, Thunder Bay was selected about a year and a half ago to participate in a federal program mm-hmm. called the Rural Northern Immigration Pilot. It had to compete against uh, 70 other cities. Wow. And the cities were selected. So we were fortunate to be one of the selected communities. And uh, so this is year one. And we're almost at the end of the year one. And uh, we were allowed to select up to 100 what they call nominees. Mm-hmm. And uh, every nominee has to have a full-time job offer from an employer in the Thunder Bay area. Yeah. And uh, we've been lucky so far. I think Emily told me that they were up to 60 now nominations, considering that it's, you know, the year that we've had and uh, the challenges that we face. Yes. All these are in Canada. As you know, the borders are closed so that not people from outside can't come, but we do have people waiting to come into the country to come to jobs in Thunder Bay. So, and with those 60 nominations, it's mostly people who are in Canada. A mm. lot of them are international students that have graduated from Lakehead University and Confederation College. Yes. are filling critical roles in SPSWs, nurses, yeah. uh, health workers, construction workers, uh, chefs, um, a number of areas that, uh, you know, employers are looking for staff. And uh, so we've been, it's been an interesting uh, ride in the last few months because, you know, we did have a high unemployment rate, but that's come down quite considerably down to 7.3% now. Ah. Um, you know, pre-COVID, we were running around 5.5%. So yes, almost to a point, I think, where we can almost measure, you know, where, you know the layoffs of Bobarje and other areas in the hospitality industry that now we know where the gap is, right? And uh, mm. so it's, you know, it's been interesting uh, the last few months. But yeah, and then my role is to, you know, manage that that activity and also still deal with uh, investors looking at the city. Um, we've seen quite a bit of activity actually in the last three months. I had another two calls this morning with investors who uh, were looking at Thunder Bay. Okay. And, um, you know, particular sectors like the fast food industry. Mm. Um, we created a website a couple of years ago to list franchises that were interested in moving into the city. So I'll give you an example, like Harvey's, Mary Brown's fried chicken, Popeye's. Yeah. Um, and others that are, looking to open up operations in the city. So, yeah, but we've seen, you know, it's been surprising the, the, the amount of activity that we have seen over the last eight months, people still starting businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've been anecdotally keeping track of who's opened up. So, um, you know, to give you an idea, like, you know, you look at the, see the mall, for example, they've had a number of different businesses open in the mall and unfortunately it doesn't get the coverage as closures do. Right. Yes. Um, but, you know, you talk about like Ruckus, Northern Stores, mm-hmm. um, and others that, um, you know, Giant Tiger, for example, opened up in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, they um, did. A lot of space. And um, and we've had a number of pop-ups open up. Um, you know, it's, and even the Bay of Nogoma area, we've seen, you know, businesses open up like Pretty Fly, Spice World, Land yeah. of Spices and Victoria Avenue. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're probably talking about 45 businesses in general that we've seen open over the past year and uh, wow. and the horizon looks good. You know, Ryan in our office is dealing with a number of potential startups in 2021. Mm-hmm. And then Kirsten Kabernick, uh, who works for Ryan directly, she manages the starter and summer company programs and uh, 2021 early on looks good. So uh, it's fantastic. You know, there's the uh, cannabis stores, which uh, mm-hmm. 
have opened up in the past, uh, you know, year. And uh, we have four officially open. And we have 13 applications in the queue. Yeah. With the province. Wow. So, if, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. Mm-hmm. Been very interesting so. Okay. So, that's that was that was amazing. Thank you for telling me all this. So I'm, now I'm going to try to break this up a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so we you, we started that the, you said the city council started and had this idea to um, have this organization in place for businesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they run this through the council and then it got approved, obviously, and then uh, founded. Which year again? I'm sorry. Sorry, 2006, before my time, about six years before I started. Okay. But uh, yeah, started with a couple of employees. And what it was, was it was a former department, part of the development services department at the city. Ah. But at the time felt that there was a need for some organization to be outside of that scope mm. and to represent truly the interests of the city and the business community. So to be kind of a middleman, yes, um, you know, between that. So, if, you know, business enters the city looking to set up, we can help facilitate that. Mm. So it is through the city still, or is it an independent unit? We're an independent unit with an independent board. Okay. And um, I mean, my salary still comes from the city directly, mm. uh, but the board makes decisions on, you know, any kind of projects, any yeah. kind of funding that might, we might support. So Okay. That's good. Know. I like that. How, how big is the board, if you don't mind asking? Oh, good question. Now, uh, now you caught me. See, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I always it's, uh, I'm always just fascinated because boards are so yeah, sometimes so different, right? Yeah, the the board itself does have the mayor and two city councilors. So, Mayor Bill Morrow and uh, Councilor Pung Yu and Councilor uh, McKinnon sit on the board as representatives. Then there's an ex officio, Mark Smith, mm. um, and then we have a number of people from the business community yeah. on on the board. So, Craig Urquhart is the chair of Inner City Industrial. Uh, Peter Marco. Is uh, also on the board from Normax and uh, Barry Stribe. Is, uh, so they're what we call the executive, the three executives. Yes. And, uh, and then there's a number of other players on the board, and uh, and it's a really good, good diverse diverse board, and uh, very efficient and very effective. So that's good. Works works really well. So yeah, I like that. So now allow me this question, and this might be like because I just try to break this down and to understand it. Okay, so of course, yeah. So the the CEDC is it at all then related to the Chamber of Commerce, or do they work together, or how does that how does that work? So the chamber represents its membership. So whoever is a member of, uh, I understand why you're you're coming with that question because um, in some countries, um, every business becomes a member of a chamber, right? Yes. And automatically, whereas in Canada, it's, it's voluntarily. Um, so in Thunder Bay, I believe the Thunder Bay Chamber of Commerce has nearly a thousand members. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, 5,000 small businesses in Thunder Bay and area. Wow. And um, so, but it's funny you say, you know, do we work together? Uh, they're, they're on the same floor as us. They moved into the building last year. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's a great relationship because, you know, if they have questions or we have questions, uh, we do work together Good. a lot with Charlotte and her team. And, uh, it's just a nice, you know, synergy. Um, you know, if there's any policies that we're looking at that the provincial federal governments are, you know, looking at doing, we support each other in terms of, uh, you know, maybe not always on board on things, but most most mm-hmm. times we are. You know, our, our end game is uh, to support small and medium-sized enterprises in the city. So Yes. That's good to hear. Oh, there's, there's a lot of... He's a great speaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I like good teacher guess, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Uh, so. Of course, I love that. The so now that I have that information, that the everybody works together and you are you connected. I like that very much. You um, for a business now. If there's a new small business opens up and then be, even before they do that they can reach out to you or how does that work so how it works is and i'll give you an example like today i had someone call me and uh I get, what i do is I, i ask them a few simple questions you know what you're looking at doing what's uh what active activities and the reason why we ask is uh because there's different funding programs out there that may be available and not not all unfortunately not all small businesses qualify for funding but uh um, I do ask those simple questions. Then I bring Ryan into the picture. If uh, mm. Most times they go to Ryan directly because the calls are directed to him and to uh, his colleague, Kirsten Kabernack. Uh, and the, you know, we, we do help businesses before they start. Some, um, a lot of times they'll come to us after they started, you know, and uh, if they're running into challenges, but uh, when they do start up, Ryan can help them guide them, you know, through the process, you know, like, do you need business license? Do you need, permits do you need you know depending what it is mm. uh, you know especially if you're opening a new business in a building somewhere maybe make sure the zoning is correct yeah um, you're in that, that area and then we'll bring our partners at the city to the table um, it's not unusual to have meetings you know um, last course eight months has been over zoom or ms teams and uh, mm. we've had uh you know bring partners to the table or, or introduce people to this you know planning department or the building department just to make sure they're being guided the proper way We also work with accounting firms and lawyers that, uh, you know, we're, we're in partnership with. And, um, mm. and we'll give three or four names to three or four accounting firms, three or four lawyers, you know, uh, recommending, you know, they get advice on technical terms because. Yeah. So we play really more of a facilitator and a guide uh, for, for startups. Uh, we will review business plans and um, go through those different uh, avenues if they do have one. Okay. So a lot of times people will come to us and then they decide that they, once they start going through the legwork, uh, that they don't want to open a business. Maybe it's too much work. Maybe it's too much risk. Mm. And we see that. Eh? So, and, so it's a good thing to, you know, if it's not us, there's other partners in the city that we can. Uh, so I think of the Northwestern Ontario Innovation Center. If it's a tech company, Ryan, a lot of times we'll work with them to see yeah. if they're doing it makes sense. So mm, Yeah, because you get feedback already, right? A little bit mm -hmm. as a, a new business owner or as a maybe you do, will do that in the future. And then you can talk to you and then you find out, um, yes or no. And you just get that feedback already. Yeah, we can help guide them to do, especially with the research, right? You yeah. Know, if the demographics make sense. You know, maybe there's too many shoe stores in the city already. Yes. Maybe you shouldn't open. Yeah. You know, just, just an example, right? Yeah. So what is what is like what is hot right now? What like what market? Like people have sometimes people have the same ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes people. Yeah, a lot of times um, we see that with summer company and starter company. Um, the general trend tends to be like landscaping. You know, uh, something that can you can start off the ground very quickly, cutting grass. Yeah. Um, you know, when there's a higher unemployment rate, you start to see people living out. You know, they want to live out their dreams, right? Yes. To start a business and. Uh, But a lot of times it's, uh, and even before I worked with the CDC, I worked with uh, the bank as a small business manager and an mm. account manager and a lot of the same industries, right? It's service industries. So it could be haircuts, you know, uh, salons, um, spas, um, you know, landscaping, construction. Yeah. 
carpentry work, you know, that kind of stuff uh, mm. um, that seems to have an easier pathway uh, to get into. Um, you know, of course, to cut hair, you have, you have to go to school or you should go to school and uh, yeah. to learn to be a stylist and a barber. So, but other areas, it's people who usually it's what kind of skills they might have, you know, developed yeah. over the years. And uh, re- recently it's more around technology. We've seen, uh, you know, growth in that area mm. in software, some, something software related. Yes. Creating an application, you know, and other uh, interesting avenues right so mm. personal interest at the end of the day yeah it's like people can when you open up your own business it's something you excel at and you really love to do right that's right you bring that so motiv- we've seen yeah food has been a big area mm. um thunder bay has one of the highest concentrations of food services you know uh, for a city of its size and i mean I, i you know i was talking to an investor this morning that was visiting the city and uh he he, he was just blown away by the number of restaurants mm. in the city. And what blew him away more was that they're still open. Yeah. Uh, I won't say where he's coming from because I'll probably get in trouble, but uh, he's yeah, still yeah. in Canada. For sure. <laughs> but uh, he, um, yeah, he was just very pleasantly surprised by uh, the food scene. And, uh, and like I said, you know, next little while we're, you know, you know there's two restaurants that are probably going to open, you know, the, I can think of Nomad's sandwich shop on, uh, on Bay Street, they're going the old Scandelli mm. uh, across from the, the former Hoido. And um, and then Babylon Lounge should be opening very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, so, I mean, it, yeah, it's just, it, it just continues. And then the number of food servers and caterers and processors. I mean, you know, I'm sure, Michael, you, you, you know, you look at my page, you see the number of, you know, stories around the Persian donut, heartbeat hot sauce. And, yes. Uh, Our most recent video that we did. Uh, oh my home, God. Yes. Highlighting sleeping giant and heartbeat. And uh, yeah. it just seems to keep going. Right. And uh, I, you know, that's been the the biggest, uh, you know, pleasant surprise for me mm. over the last uh, four or five years is how people just, you know, seem to enjoy the shopping local and eating local. So, and that's reinforced by the number of, you know, people that I see wanting to invest in the city, particularly with quick service restaurants. Um, You know, they, they they called me started back in late August. Mm. Brokers from Toronto, Winnipeg said, you know, they were surprised. They said, don't you have more buildings empty? Like, so because we, we want to put these restaurants in there. And I said, well, no, sorry, they're, mm-hmm. they're all well. Thunder Bay has done a, an incredible job of supporting their local businesses. Yes, it is very, very true. I went to, um, I dropped off some uh, craft revival stuff. Uh, to mm-hmm. the location at the foundry yesterday. Was it yesterday? Monday? No, Sunday? Saturday? I think Saturday. I'm losing track time, track of time. <laughs> it feels like yesterday. Maybe it was yesterday, but I don't think so. And then um, I parked, and then I opened the door, and then right there was a the door with the goat on it, right? Bobby Long Lounge. And I was like, ah, this is where it is, and it's. I'm waiting for this. <laughs> yeah, we're all patiently waiting. Uh, and the excitement just keeps, you know. Yes. Um, one thing that, you know, started probably about four or five years ago and, uh, and it was, uh, working with the, the, the gentleman from St. Paul Roastery and, mm. you know, they be a valuable lesson in marketing. You know, uh, a lot of times we, we think we know all the answers when it comes to marketing. Right. And I kept bugging them. I said, guys, you got to market, you got to go on social media, tell them what you're coming, but they were doing it word of mouth. Right. And look at the great success. Right. And, yes. uh, that turned over Cam and stuff and, uh, it, it, you know, great coffee, right. Mm. Uh, 
last five years has just been incredible in the city when it comes to coffee. You know, you got St. Paul, you got, you know, Wolfhead, you got Rosencrantz. Yeah. Um, then you've got great cafes that have opened up in the last couple of years and, uh, mm. and ones that have been around for a long time. Right. So, yes, I'm an espresso drinker. So for me, it's been incredible. So nice. How many, how many espressos a day is okay for you? You want the honest answer? Or? Yeah, I would appreciate the honest answer. Yeah. Three or four a day. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Wow. Yeah. And just black. Just black. Yeah. yeah. That's how I like it too. Yeah. I don't think I could do three or four. I think I could do two or three, because I. That's all I drink, right? I don't drink coffee. So. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I drink still yeah. coffee, so. Uh, mm. Yeah, because people always wonder why I'm not more jittery. So. <laughs> yeah. But then I also tell them I don't go to the washroom as often, right? So that's right. Yeah, it's because the drink is smaller. <laughs> I like that. Is it in the morning and at night, or how do you do it? Well, you should have two shots in the morning and then yeah. two in the afternoon. But yeah. then after supper, I don't because then I won't sleep. So mm, okay, I used to be brave and said, "Yeah, I could drink till nine o'clock at night and still sleep." But that stopped a couple of years ago. <laughs> yes, espresso. I I get I get awake, but if I drink like Coca Cola or Pepsi and there's caffeine in it, I don't feel it. Interesting. Yeah, but the espresso gets me too. I can I can feel it. Yeah. You drink it, and then it's just like. Pshh, I'm okay. Yes, that's. I hear that. Yeah, my a couple of my colleagues in my office, you know, they'll. Uh, I'll make them drink it, and uh, and they they get mad at me because for two three days they're jittery, right? Because if you if you if you don't have it on a regular basis, right, you you will feel it, right? So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But very very classy. I like that. That's really really nice. Yeah. So and while after then I I saw the door and I was like, okay, this is where it is. Amazing. And he posted more stuff on his social media. And then I went into the foundry and they had a really good organization how safely we can drop off the, the stuff. And then people, they come there the next couple of days and they park outside and they bring it all. It's an amazing event, how they do it all and how they had to adjust it all too because of what has been developing in the recent couple of days, weeks. So they switched it around. But that's why I'm highlighting is this because you said that there's amazing support for anything local in Thunder Bay. And I can only say this is 100% true. Everybody does their part. Yeah, May Lynn has done an incredible job, you know, bringing together and, you know, the owners of the Edens. I was so happy when, you know, it moved into their hands last year. Um, mm. And, and on a personal level, I was very happy and, uh, you know, they'll see this and uh, they'll be happy to hear this because, I mean, when I grew up here, mm. I didn't grow up too far from when it used to be Eaton's, right? Yeah, yeah. A little kid and I always tell my kids a story and it'd be about this time of year watching Christmas Vacation with uh, Chevy Chase and uh, um, it brings back memories for me, right? Because Eaton's was that, you know, when he's in the department store there and yes. trying to buy something for his wife and... Uh, mm -hmm brings back memories for me because as a little kid i remember walking through the department store with all the christmas trees and decorations and you know all the fun so i'm very happy to see that space come back to life and uh may lynn has done a great job of uh, bringing that together and i know my colleague ryan's been working with her ah. to help. And, uh, and we're there to help uh, i mean we're just down the street right in the in the in the Wayland building and uh ah. so we're i mean i really can't wait till next summer because you know another space to visit downtown mm-hmm um, you know, and I'll be really looking forward to it in the wintertime when it opens <laughs> to go visit that space again. Yes. 
And it's a very interesting concept. As far as I, I read it on the news, I think. It is like the, the place is um, then rented. Not I don't know, but there's other artists or creators or people mm -hmm. that are inside then and they have like little spaces for themselves, right? Is that how it just goes? That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Aren't you going to rent the space for you? Uh, the podcast studio there, you think? <laughs> I don't know. I would have Maybe to... a new like, studio. Maybe a new studio. Yeah, I would have to build like a cocoon for the sound, right? That's right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It seems it, it seems like a natural fit to me. Mm. It's, I I think I have to think about it. Yeah, this might be good. Might be good. I uh, I just think ultimately that would be nice. I like the flexibility that I, right now it is where it is. But uh, I I have been thinking about putting it also somewhere else. But you, Piero, you have to believe me. I'm so obsessed with um, recording that I would still have something. I still would have to have something in the basement, even if I have another studio somewhere else. Of course, yeah, for personal, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because sometimes you just like you. Uh, I find like sound. It's just it's a different medium than written word. And sometimes you just have to, you have an idea and you, you speak about it. And then when you can listen to it, you, it's something different. Was it a musical thing that you listened or? Um, I can listen to classical music. Yeah, I like that actually. Like usually in the mornings they, uh, on CBC they have that. But I mean more, okay. but more for me when I'm down here uh, and I have an idea for something, I can talk about it to myself. That sounds pretty cheesy, but you know. And then I can reflect. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I can I can reflect on it, and then I can listen to it, and it makes it makes sense to me. So you're gonna laugh because I'm a, I'm a Euro pop fan, right? Good. So yeah, and people are always surprised. Well, people who don't know me, right? And uh, mm. Euro pop, Italian pop from the '80s. Um, one of my favorite bands is Scooter. Oh yes, you do. Yeah, and uh, fire. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. And they're, of course, the famous song this year, right? I won't use that language. I know as you said, you said it's okay, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, we don't have but, to, but uh, yeah, so that's uh, and actually in the morning, I do listen to a lot of that, and mm -hmm. I have to keep it low because everyone else is sleeping at 6 30 in the morning, so yeah, so you're gonna have those espressos and then you listen to that good music. I like it, yeah, it gets me pumped for the day, right? So, yes, I love that, so good. It's like it's good to have a routine, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sets the mood. The is, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Do you have a like when you have ideas that come to you? Do you write them down in a notebook or anything, or do you are you good with having them in your head, or how does it work? I was good at in my head, but the last couple of years I found I have to type it in mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> to the phone to remind myself. And uh, really around marketing, that's where I get the ideas right. Um, you know, the bank taught me to be a salesman and uh, mm. as an economic development officer, you have to be a salesperson. You, okay. you have to chase, uh, particularly when it comes to trying to bring investment to the city. Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, but we're, I've been fortunate because, you know, we have a good team in our office. So, and maybe I'll talk a little bit about that too. Uh, so I, I talked previously about my director, you know, reports, but we have other great people in our office. So there's a tourism department, which joined us a couple of years ago. And, uh, That's led by, uh, you, you probably see him in the news a lot, Paul Pepe. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. And he's got, he's got a great team under him that's come over. And it's really added a nice flavor to the CDC um, in terms of 
you know, the sector. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, it should have been with us a long time ago, but that's always politics, right? And yes, because uh, tourism plays such an important role in the economy. And I think we, we really see that this year. Yes. And uh, the hospitality industry has done, you know, like I said, even the hotels have, have held their own here in Thunder Bay. Again, kudos to the, to the hotel, you know, management and ownership mm-hmm. and the staff there. Um, the numbers have been, you know, pleasantly surprising, still devastating in a lot of cases. Um, you know, we were running numbers around 90, 95% occupancy in the summer in a normal year up until last year. And, uh, you know, to see the numbers go down to 55, 60, mm. you know, disheartening, but, uh, they're holding their own. Uh, you know, a lot of the hotels have been, you know, fortunate that we, we had a very good summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of visitors from Winnipeg and Toronto this summer. It was just amazing because mm-hmm. they couldn't cross the border. So they, they came this way. Yeah. And uh, the hotels have done, you know, it was just an admirable job in the summertime to, to hold what they could and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, credible frontline workers there. And, uh, you know, but Paul and his team deserved, you know, credit. They, they did a great marketing campaign and, uh, but, you know, now it's, it's a wait and see, right. Cause you know, we don't want people to come visit because of the spread of COVID, right? And yes. vice versa. And uh, But people still travel, right? Need a place to stay in. Thunder Bay is fortunate to be in, in an area where, you know, it's a big city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and people enjoy staying here. And then they get to know the city. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we've seen, you know, we've held our own. And we're still looking at construction of some hotels next year if everything comes back to somewhat of a normal oh, normalcy. Wow people feel safe to travel. So uh, we had hotels that were looking at construction this summer, but obviously they held off because of COVID. So one was the motel six on Arthur street Mm. and uh, next to Tokyo house. And then the other one was to be a home with seats next to the Hampton Inn. Ah. So, yeah. So it's still a lot of positive energy that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the hospitality. I used to work for the Valhalla. So I used to be there. Ah. Yeah. And so, um, they um, they they all work together in a way where they share data with the um, the rooms and you know uh, this is how much the rooms are going and this is how much percentage is booked in the city and where are we standing so like they, there's a sense of working together as well. Well, and whoever you know, I had to laugh when uh, you know whoever thought the Valhalla would become a courthouse, right? Um, I know, right. You know, it's uh, and then the old courthouse <laughs> becomes the courthouse again. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember you know, just in discussions a few weeks ago about that, and they were, yeah. someone had called me saying, you know, is it still a courtroom there? I said, well, it's a ballroom, but it. Fortunately, I said it was because the heritage, you know, said that keep the keep it keep the you know the the judge's uh, chair there and everything. And mm. uh, but who would ever have guessed a year ago that it would be turned back into a courtroom again? Right? I know. And, uh, yeah. the army right so is it is it so the hotels have learned to pivot hey? so yes yeah is it only in the ballroom or are they using the other rooms too at the old courthouse or i uh, know at the valhalla right i believe it's the three the three rooms that uh okay. they've set up. yeah, yeah because, i have gone to see it but uh yeah, yeah I, I always wondered <laughs> sorry the, the no no go ahead it comes in my mind when you know when because the valhalla and this is like with the Vikings and the gods, right? And then yeah. you your trial is in Odin <laughs> because they have the rooms, right? That are named after um, um, names after their heritage in that direction. Right. 
So I was just like, I'm just think, thinking in my mind now, your trial will be in Odin. <laughs> so this is almost like the God judges you. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, so the hotels here have a, a lot of history, as you know. I mean, the Prince Arthur, you know, with the Queen there and, uh, yes, you know, Prohibition. And then, of course, the Valhalla, too, has had Prince Charles there. Wow. Was it? And there's quite a story there, too. So I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Wow. I think if you, there's a couple old articles. I'll see. I'll send them over to you, and you'll you'll have a good chuckle about it. So, hmm. yeah. I'm really, really amazed how you are you 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 calling out people and businesses just like this. And you know, you, it's like I get the feeling that you know them, and you know that there's a lot of care, and that you just you can you can just like yeah, talk your house over there, and then this place over here, and you just know this all. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's arguably, you know, it's part of my job to keep, you know, but it's, uh, you know, you feel when the people are working hard, right? And uh, and I, I keep a track of what's what's happening around the city and uh, really care what's happening in all parts of the city, right? So, mm. again, like I said, you know, it's fortunate that I, we have a good team and uh, tourism is part of that. And same time, we have other great people in my office, uh, John Mason, who's our project manager around mining. Okay. Um, a lot of times I feel, you know, you know, you want to meet a very smart man. John Mason's the guy when it mm. comes to mining. He knows everything about mining in Northwestern Ontario. So imagine take, take me, but go all over Northwestern Ontario. Wow. Uh, we call him the guru of mining in our office and mm. uh, knows everybody. And, uh, you know, great, great intelligence. Um, he can rile off names and uh, the names of rocks, of course. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We call him the rock guy, you know, and, uh, but uh, mining plays a significant role in our economy. A lot of times we don't see it because there's no mine in our backyard, right? There's no gold mine or palladium mine. You know, the closest mine is about 90 kilometers from here. Yes. Uh, that's North American palladium. Yes. In mm-hmm. And, uh, but people don't realize it's close to 900 people work there. That's crazy. And, uh, you know, and then there's red Lake mines, of course, and the gold. And, you mm-hmm. know, we were on a call last week with some people from the government and uh, you know, John throws out this, these numbers, right. You know, like 2 million ounces of gold are mined every year in the Red Lake area, Northern Ontario. And wow. they're just stunned, right. Mm-hmm. They, they million ounces. And they're like, he said, yeah. And it's like, it's always been there, but you know, it's like, it's there. Right. But you don't realize the economic impact. And uh, yeah, but you talk to some of, you know, the major industries around here, they know how important it is. And mm-hmm. people live here. Right. Eh? And that, and then go work there for two weeks, and then come back, and so it's their life, yeah. Significant player, yeah. So, yeah. and then I, there's two things I wanted to say about that. In like Gold Corp, for example, I heard they have now, they actually operate the machineries from remotely from a building in Thunder Bay somewhere in the mine. So I think that's yes, they were operating. I think until recently, um, yeah, 500 kilometers away. Crazy. These people were sitting in the, these beautiful, I unfortunately never had this chance to go sit in the chairs, but uh, yeah. Tom told me that uh, nice plush chairs, you know, so, and it was, you know, it was a pilot project to start to see, you know, because to, to retain talent again, it's a, uh, it's a challenge, right? Um, mm. uh, newer generations are different, right? They, uh, there's a work life balance. Okay. Yes, it is actually. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. And, uh, that's why industries like trucking have a hard time recruiting because um, 
been a very big challenge for them. You know, like, you know, you could go work in an A to Z truck and do deliveries. You're traveling across Canada, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you're gone for days at a time, not seeing your family. Yes. And that is difficult. Uh, and I couldn't imagine during this time now how much more difficult it would be. But it showed how important, uh, you know, one of the pauses that come out of COVID is uh, people realize now the importance of frontline retail grocery workers, truckers, this whole supply chain and how important, you know, like, you know, again, who would ever thought that toilet paper would have been, you know, such a critical issue. Right. And uh, all of a sudden everyone started to, I think people grew an appreciation of the supply chain Mm -hmm. on how important. I think that's why you see such a push this summer for people growing their own gardens, growing their own supplies and, you know, walking up that way. Right. And uh, again, I mean, that might be one of the positives comes out of all of this. Right. Yes, yeah, I, I think that's a very good point you're making. It's it, for me, I, I might be wrong, but for me, it's like it, this is almost like it's like wartime. You know, shelves of food getting empty, even if it's just like for a week or two. We were we, like we had nothing to worry about, but there was a lot of people who bought a lot of things at once. So it, of course, yeah. it disappeared. But I mean, like you get that feeling, and then you just don't know. And we nobody knew what's going to happen. I like the most recent now is people are worried about turkeys, right? Oh. Order turkeys, you know. Mm. Yeah, you, yeah. You know. Yeah. So. I, <laughs> I just, sorry. I talked to I talked to Lisa about this and we were, we were not, we don't know yet what we're going to do for Christmas. So I don't, I don't, for us it's more like, I used to be very fixated on, because in German it's like Christmas Eve is a Christmas. So it's on the Eve, on Christmas Eve. And I've moved away from this now because, like, this is my home and I live here and I'm I'm Canadian, officially. And it's just like I'm becoming more and more um, in love with the idea of Christmas morning. Yeah, it's the same with us, right? It's uh, have our traditions too, right? But uh, yes, you know, as Italians and Raphael was on your show recently, so I don't know if he talked about it, but mm. a number of different traditions there, you know the to fish, to feast, to feast of fishes and ah. on Christmas Eve. And, uh, no, so he didn't. No, no, no. Please elaborate. He didn't. Oh, no. no. Yeah. yeah, we talked more about well, his uh, old, um, uh, his learning experience with the oh, tailoring. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Again, another lost uh, art there, right? It's, uh, you know, we're, again, uh, you know, you speak of gaps, right? What's what's exciting, what's going on, and uh we're, we're seeing some rebirth and there, there's room mm-hmm. um, for more tailors like Raf and, uh, uh, you know, shoe repair and stuff like that, that uh, there is opportunities in the marketplace for that. People always ask me, you know, Hey, so you speak of startups, right? Mm-hmm. What can I do? You know? And like I said, you know, what's hot all the time is like, you know, be landscaping hair salons or, you know, start an app company, um, technology company and i say well some of the old stuff too you know traditional is there's shortages and again COVID has shown that uh, there's opportunities and yeah. and we saw an increase you know uh, you know interestingly in the number of sewing machines being sold right mm-hmm. um, people going back to that art and uh, learning how to do uh, some of the things that maybe were lost right and uh, we saw an increase in that so between food processing crafts make and the crafts then scaled up to become, you know, more significant, right? More yes. of a producers. And uh, and uh, it really made me happy, actually, to see that. And uh, those 
you know, those industries growing like that, right? And like you see in Germany and Italy, a lot of, you know, you'll have thousands of producers like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it can really strengthen an economy that way. Yes. Um, the more that you have, the less reliance you have on big industry then. So when you do have mm-hmm. a recession or you have a pandemic, the economy can withstand, um, you know, any kind of uh, situation like that. So Yeah, because like the, the big shops, the chains, they all closed and you couldn't, like you were not able to get something locally. And if you would ship it, it would take uh, months or weeks. Mm-hmm. And now with the local business, they had like web pages. You could, you buy it online, right? And then it's contact like, Pick up contactless pickup uh, within a day or two, and then you have it. Yeah, yeah. So that's- yeah, we've seen. Uh, you know, Ryan and I were talking about that this morning. Uh, you know, the ones that pivoted really well, had curbside or offered, you know, some kind of delivery. Yeah, have done fairly well, mm-hmm. and they've survived, right? And uh, you know, the ones that haven't been able to, and, and you know, unfortunately, downtown Toronto, you see that, right? That. Um, You know how do you you know how do you do curbside pickup and in such a densely populated area, right? And uh, unfortunately, that uh, that's that's hurt them, right? But you know, Toronto will bounce back. I mean, it's it's mm. got so much energy, and uh, I, I'm not as uh, you know I feel bad for everyone. I mean, some of my favorite places closed in Toronto. Oh wow! You know, and uh, I was down there in February, and uh, I remember walking by some of them. You know, I said, "Ah, oh, I'll be here soon," right? Mm-hmm. Like, not thinking <laughs> that. You know, and now they're, you know, sadly they're gone, right? So, and you hate to see that, right? But uh, something will come back in. I mean, Toronto's just too vibrant a city for that, so. Yeah, it's too big. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but it's good to point that out, too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's this, there's this one side, right? Then it's over and people find something else. And then the other side is now, you said there was a lot of businesses that suddenly approached you, your organization, this organization and uh, they, because they had time to think, is that why, why do you think people would create something new now? I think there's, there's optimism that way. Like, yeah. You know, you know, it's, I think the particularly businesses that, you know, if you remember five, six years ago, some of the businesses that, you know, I won't pick on any one particular that are very successful right now, mm. uh, but we know who they are. There was a bit of doubt, right? Okay. Like how, how are you going to be against the big boys and girls, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, who's going to pay $11 for hot sauce, right? Yeah. Until you realize that it's a better product. Yes. <laughs> Longer lasting shelf life. Yeah. Um, great job in marketing the product. Mm. Great bottle. I mean, every time you watch hot ones, right? Yeah. Um, what's the, all the hosts say, like, you look at it, the bottle stands out. You know, I remember a few weeks ago, I posted something, I think it was with Jessica Alba. Yeah. And all, you know, all I can notice was how that bottle really stood out compared to the rest. Right. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, they've done a great job, you know, Al and the team there have done a uh, you know, great job of promoting the product. And that's why we've highlighted them in our recent video. And mm. I remember some of the comments drawn was sleeping giant, you know, when they first started out, like, you know, how they could compete against the Labats, the Molsons and, mm. And, but there was a demand locally that, you know, somebody wanted, you know, people wanted to have local product yes. it tastes and it tastes better. It's fresher because it's not sitting there going on, you know, long trips anywhere. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what, you know, has been shown that people want quality. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and uh, it's, it's not even just local too. They're, you know, you see the other products are coming in that are higher value and people are, are, are buying it, right? Yes. And it's the connection too. It's the connection to support into the economy. economy. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. like to like heartbeat hot sauce. I just think about this, everybody. This is like a local thing that started with a couple of chefs and Nancy and they were they were throwing things together because they loved doing what they were doing. And then now they are a world company. They, they are shipping everywhere. Everybody has it. And it's right here in Thunder Bay. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, speaking of, and it feels like a long time ago, right? You know, when you, you've seen somebody. Uh, but back in February, I was in Toronto. Okay. I, went to, I went to go see Italy, the new uh, big shopping, you know, experience around Italian experiences, you know, ah. in downtown Toronto. And, uh, you know, three levels of all, everything Italian, right? Mm. You know, coffee everything perfect i'm walking down one of the grocery aisles and what do i see <laughs> and italy is a high-end area so you know compared to other things mm. heartbeat seemed to be there in that store right yeah yeah and but I was so proud right you know that uh and i had a couple people with me and they said oh what are you laughing at i said well look and they and they, mm. they go holy geez, you guys make good stuff in thunder bay but, yes that's unbelievable <laughs> you know, really surprised. yeah so it's uh yeah we just don't make great hockey players right we make hot sauce too and <laughs> that's right good donuts right so. yeah and you know it's like and it's just the the concept of having an idea and creating it and making it you never know what it's going to turn into and like yes. that's the best part of my job right is uh um, you know seeing that sparkle in the entrepreneur's eye mm. You know, you can really tell when someone's going to, um, is really passionate and the potential there to succeed, right, is uh, is great. Because if you don't have that sparkle, you're not going to, as you know, you have to have the passion, right? Yes. Yes. And that, that's the first step one, right? And then everything else starts to fall into place. Mm. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, again, been a pleasant surprise. Okay. So. Is there, like... Allow me to say this. Is there a typical age of people uh, that say, I want to start a business now? Like, I know there's very young people. They are 22. This is like, this is very young for me. And then there's like, yeah. there's older people, like maybe my age, 30, 36, whatever. And then there's maybe people that are just dropping out of somewhere and they have this, finally, they want to do something that they always wanted to do. Is that all over? It's, uh, it's all over. I mean, a, a lot of times we see, And part of it's because of what the funding is available, tends to be available for, you know, young entrepreneurs, mm. uh, help with startups, you know, a lot of, you know, people under 30. Um, but we've seen, yeah, the last couple of years, we've seen changes where people are, you know, just tired of their job. They want to, you know, try what their dream is. And, uh, and you know, sometimes, a lot of times they start as a part-time and then they move into, if it's successful. And like I said, we've seen that with some of these uh, On the food processing side, people have now it's turned into full-time jobs for them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they're living, living their dreams, right? Um, and then there's people that it's just a part-time, you know, gig for them on the side. Still living their dream, but uh, they have a full-time job because uh, maybe not generating enough income to, to mm -hmm. you know, sustain yeah. uh, the household. And uh, 
but still living, living their dream. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so no, it's been very, I would say, yeah, from young as 18, because we see that with summer company mm-hmm. and for company plus, uh, you know, up to, you know, 60 years old. Nice. I saw, I saw recently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they just, this, you know, particular person just, yeah, they just, you know, their jobs were not going well the last few years. And they said, this, I'm going to try to do my dream. Right. And yeah. start my own business. Right. So, and we've seen that in the retail sector, actually, we've seen some growth in that area in the last year where people are finding ways to, or they're finding niches, right. Mm-hmm. To start their own businesses and uh, in the clothing lines. Right. And like you said, that sometimes people don't, there's still a lot of people who won't shop online. Right. You know, we talk about online shopping, but I saw an interesting statistic today where, you know, it might hit 10% this year of total shopping. Wow. 90% of shopping is still done in <laughs> brick and mortar. What? So, but it's dramatic, right? Because you go from last year, which was 5 or 6% to 10%. Yeah, yes. And when you're talking tens of billions of dollars, it uh, seems dramatic. And that movement's still that way. But you're also seeing a movement with the Amazons and others starting to set up brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Because the technology is still not there, particularly around clothing, um, especially higher end clothing, mm. where you know you can order it and then it doesn't fit, right? But some people still want to. What you're seeing now is that people are shopping online and then going to the store to see, uh, which is a bit of a change this last eight months. Uh, they're starting to go go buy it in the store then. Yes, go touch and feel it, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, there'll still be there in January. We'll still see losses. There'll still be closures. Um, you know, you can see the writing on the wall for some companies that have been around for a long time on a national level. And, uh, but it happens every year. Right. And, uh, and there'll be new ones that pop up. And again, you know, it's not as sexy, I guess, to talk about openings as, as much as others. Right. So. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's a need for a certain kind of information for some people. Yeah. The um the the uh, the question I had was when why do you think sometimes businesses that have been in the business for forty years and they've have a, like an absolutely amazing record and then suddenly it's over is it just because maybe they did that's is a is this is a business does a business always have to invest into finding out what's driving and not stopping ever. Oh, why would a company just suddenly disappear? Well, there's a variety of reasons why it could. I mean, uh, what we're seeing, and uh, about three years ago, we started a website, uh, a page on our website called Succession Business Opportunities Page. Okay. We were seeing a number of businesses closed in Thunder Bay, um, that, and we were wondering why, right? So we went out, we talked to the accounting firms, we talked to some of the, you know, the chamber um, and the bankers, and a lot of times it was just there was no one to take over. Oh. Business. Um, you know, a lot of businesses are taken over by children if they're interested in the business. Um, in the past year, actually, we've seen a number of businesses, uh, you know, being taken over by, by kids or, or employees that are in part of the business. That's good. Um, that's been good. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it just, you know, run out of steam. I mean, in the case this year, you know, using the uh, Toronto as an example, right. That just, the rent was just too high. Right. And they, you know, maybe they didn't agree with any agreements with the landlords and people just said, you know, I've been doing this for 62 years, you know, and I got no revenue coming in. How am I supposed to pay the $25,000 a month in rent? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, sometimes, yeah, they, you're right. They haven't invested in renovating their place 
you know, I, I do get that sometimes. Uh, I remember when I was a banker, landlords would come to me and saying, I don't understand why I can't rent out my, my space. I said, well, it could be because your carpet's from the 1970s and mm. the cabin from the 1960s and you need to do some upgrades, right. To yeah. attract a tent. And, uh, and we still see that in some case where, you know, why people aren't going into a business is because, you know, it's either because the service has gone down, the quality has gone down or the competition has just improved. Mm. And, well, we saw a little bit of that in Thunder Bay in terms of the food scene where, um, you you really have to be on top of your game here to to compete. Yes, yes. Uh, because it's it's just gotten so much better in the last uh, you know ten years. And uh, again, I, I you know I you know I enjoy food. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know I enjoy co- good coffee, and and that's changed quite dramatically in the last five years. Uh, you know, it's, and a lot of people realize that, and, you, and you, a lot of good businesses have upped their game here. Yes, yes. So, I always say it's like it's like the the food scene we have is like a, it's it's like a world city really, and it's it, this is not a lie. This is how it is. <laughs> I do enjoy. I mean, I'm not on Facebook, but I do do look at you know Eat Thunder Bay's example, and uh, yeah. it's amazing. Like someone will make a comment, and it's almost like the next day that restaurant opens. You know, ah, <laughs> yes. Or someone adds something to their menu, which mm. is really. Uh, you know, again, that's part of being successful as a business owner is uh, you're keeping track of what the community wants, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's, a, you know, a certain food from Ethiopia or, you know, something from Chile or Venezuela or something that, you know, and like you, you see this here, you know, it's it's happening. Like, you know, there was a demand for Mexican food, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, more homemade type food. And uh, and we saw two places open up this past year, like, you know, in the middle of pandemics. And yeah. It's just just, it's just brilliant. And, and I'm happy that they're opening in the areas of the city that traditionally you don't see is opening very much. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, and you see businesses that are still, you know, it's unfortunate about the Hoido. I mean, hopefully, you know, on the horizon that something will open, but it was open for nearly a hundred years. Right. It's crazy. Uh, you know, when you tell these stories to other people from out of town, they're always stunned. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, how long has that business been here? About 112 years. <laughs> um, you know, Oh, how about that clothing store? About a hundred, yeah. you know, like, And you see that, for example, in Westport, right? You know, the clothing stores and other businesses there that have been, yes. you know, in the family for a hundred years, right? And but we say so nonchalantly that we're just, you know, we're used to having these businesses around forever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why it hurts when they close, right? It's uh, yes, so many people are connected to it, right? Very, very true. It's like they are in the heart of the community. That's right. Yeah, I allow me to uh, say this. Live of uh, this example with Sears, for example, right? And mm. I know it's a chain, and it's like it was here for. Uh, it's a big company, and it was here. But I, the, the perspective I want to hear is from you. How do you feel about this? Like a company exists, and they have they there's managers and there's people, and they all work together, and there. And then sometimes the business, like they had the perfect concept, right? They had this catalog. In the whenever they were operating perfectly, and it's just people ordered it from it, and that's perfect. But they couldn't bring this same thing they had into the 2000s where you could order it online. And but even like you say, it's only 10%, so it's like it doesn't really matter. It's like that's like 90% go still in person, still brick and mortar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sears. I mean, there's been enough case studies probably done on the strategic error they made, right? Uh, yeah, in moving on to. You know, and there's some, I think, enough memos that went around that they 
they just didn't believe that, you know, Amazon was going to happen. Right. But you're right. They were strategically they're they're They were set up what Amazon is trying to do now. Right. Mm. Is to get brick and mortar in place. Uh, uh already there. All they had to do was, I mean, I say that easily, right. I'm sure if I was the, the CEO or something, I probably would have did the same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like why, what, and, you know, going back to a business that's been around for 40 years, you know, Sears is another example, just on a bigger scale. You know, why why screw something if it's going well, right? Mm. That was their uh, opinion. That okay. top, They were the top dog. Um, we're comfortable. We have, look at this huge network. Look how many people work for us. Look at the loyalty scores. Yeah. And then by little, they just didn't, they didn't invest into the, keeping up with it. Yes. They, you know, if they had made those investments and there's a, I mean, a variety of reasons why Sears, you know, went down, but uh, it was at the end of the day, they just didn't invest in technology mm-hmm. and, you know, had the foresight to, to continue to do that. Right. But yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot more, you know, case studies out there on Sears and, you know, mm-hmm. why it failed and uh, uh, much more deeper than what I'm saying right now. But uh, they, at the end of the day, just, yeah, there was strategic error and mm-hmm. I think we'd be the first ones to admit that. So, so entrepreneurs have to be really on their toes and observe the market and what's happening. Is that correct? Yeah. And I think there's more tools today for them to do that. Okay. Um, there's, there's ways of, you know, using social media to track what's happening to keep an eye on it. And it's hard, right? Because I mean, you, you work your butt off all day. Last thing you want to do is go home. You know, you, you probably want to sit up, have a beer, relax with the family But the reality is you probably have to sit down, do your books, uh, prepare for the next day. And yeah. it's hard to keep track of, uh, of what's really happening out there and trying to keep ahead of the game. Right. And, and this year really added, compounded that, right. You're trying to figure out as a restaurant, okay, I'm closed for two months. What do I do to, you know, to pivot? And some of them pivoted, you know, by building patios. We, we mm-hmm. had 30 patios built this year. Wow. Uh, Thunder Bay was great in waving, you know, permit fees and uh, some of the regulations around that, uh, you know, kudos, municipal governments don't get enough credit actually, in my opinion, um, this year for really becoming much more flexible in what was happening. Okay. And, uh, you know, us as the CDC, we worked well with the city of Thunder Bay into helping uh, create things like streetery, uh, working with the, you know, the uh, waterfront district on that. And that was a great success. And uh, Paul and his team worked really well to help promote that. Uh, worked with others, you know, to get the patios up. And, and now you see some of, some of the patios actually have become permanent, right? Or they've pivoted, right? You know, yeah. I understand the Nook has done, you know, more of a permanent patio now to handle for winter. Yeah. Uh, Dolce has built within their air, covered area an enclosure now, adding 16 more seats. Uh, so, you know, really pivoting because of winter coming. And uh, Daytona, as I understand, has also uh, built something on the exterior there. and. Uh, ah winter and uh so we're seeing that like it's ironic like we're becoming a winter city right mm. where do outdoor activities and um you know because a lot of people like to drink coffee a lot of people like to drink hot chocolate and, you know hot chocolate with you know yeah liquor or something or yeah yeah what would you put in a hot chocolate though like coffees is babies i get that but hot chocolate what do you put uh, in there uh, you're right actually i don't know why i said hot chocolate <laughs> just thought maybe you have something i need to know this maybe brandy <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good brandy's a good one yeah and because i put a little bit of liqueur in my espresso but yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah why not sometimes it's like it's a special day and you need that that's totally fine 
That's right. Especially when it's minus 30. Yeah. 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 We picked up. We, we, were, we were very fortunate with everything, but we had the kids home when everything shut down. And sometimes days were easy and sometimes days were hard. And they are like six years and he was six months. So it's like, it's a, it's, it's a busy day. And, you know, we picked up a bottle of Baileys and sometimes at three o'clock we opened it, we put it in the coffee and it's just like, okay, this is good. Because, yeah, yeah it was just, it felt good. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, parents had a hard time this year, right? It's still, you know, obviously still challenging right now. And, uh, you know, it's tough for young children, right? I mean, you know, you remember growing up, you, you go outside and play, right? And mm -hmm. I think we were fortunate this summer that, you know, at the time we had very few cases and, uh, yeah. Um, luckily kids got to go out, right? Yeah. But now recent, you know, second wave, uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately that's created some challenges for people. Right? So. Yeah. We went, we, it took us a while. I think everybody had a hard time and like everybody. And we, as parents, we, we waited and waited. Like after two weeks, you were allowed to go on the playground again. We waited like two weeks to see if something would change. Right. Because we were like mm -hmm. wanting to make the right decision. And then we finally went and then, Like I saw Albus and he was, he just lit up inside. It's just like, and outside it was just, he was coming back to life. And yeah, it didn't seem fair, right? To, yeah. You know, and it just seemed surreal. Like when you see that all that tape around the playground, right. It just didn't, you're like, what's, what's going on. Right. It just, I think a lot of us were shocked. Mm -hmm. at what, what we saw. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's the first time in our, really in our life that we saw something like that. Right. That, yeah. Did you, you know, you can't go where you want to go, right? It's not used to that, right? Yes. Did, did you have, do you have family in Italy still? I have family, yeah. 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 So uh, my uh, number of aunts and, and uncles have lived there. So yeah. unfortunately, I haven't been there in a long time. Um, but, you know, my mother still keeps in touch with her sisters. Yeah. And uh, and I keep in touch through Instagram with a couple of my relatives. And uh, mm -hmm. But they had, a tough, they had it tougher than us in terms of lockdown. Yes. Much more stringent. Um, you know, and I think Germany was the same way, right? That it was, it was, you know, you, you don't want to say that, you know, we were, you know, maybe a little bit easier for us, but when, you, when they tell you that, you know, you need a permit to go drive your car or to walk around. Yeah. And unfortunately right now, you know, I'm hearing the same stories again that, uh, you know, complete lockdowns again. And it's, you know, now it's starting to hurt, I think in mm -hmm. terms of uh, the average person saying, you know what, this is now starting to, to get annoying, right? And so, and I, and I can understand why people are getting frustrated. And, uh, you know, we sacrificed so much in the first wave. Yes. It, it didn't seem to, you know, it seemed to work. And then now again, we've been hit again. You know, how do we stop this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, you want it over, move on back to normal life. And, uh, um, but yeah, it's, you know, so my relatives have said that it's just, again, lockdown, not staying inside your house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, That's something that, you know, even personally, I know that that would be hard. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I really feel for people living in these bigger cities that you can't even live, you know, leave your apartment. Like, yes, that would be incredible. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we still can go shopping, right? We can still go have a coffee. And, you know, even my colleagues in Toronto, who I've spoken to recently, some of them still, even when the restrictions were loosened, still hadn't been really out of their house since March. Yeah. You know, they might go to a grocery store. But they didn't go to a restaurant. Like when I would say, "Oh, Pierre, what'd you do today?" So I went to the Dolce had an espresso cannoli. Mm. Went to, you know, this place had a hamburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. November. Like, 
yeah, like, oh, lucky you. <laughs> you know, and uh, of course, I bite my tongue now because, you know, of the recent surge. But, uh, mm. um, you know, again, uh, yeah, I just, to be honest, I just couldn't imagine, right? So, yeah. Did you talk to them before March? Like, did you observe what was happening in Italy? Yeah, we kept very close eye. Yeah. Because yeah. S yeah. somehow then you would have a little bit more knowledge, right? Because you were still connected because I talked to some people in Germany when like they were running out of flour and stuff. And I was like, what? Because like, yeah. that was like not heard of. Yeah. Italy, there was a shortage of pasta, believe it or not. And, uh, you saw the, you know, speaking of connection to Thunder Bay, you saw the port this summer, how busy it was with grain shipments. Was it the busiest so ever? The, well, well, 25 years. Yeah. Close yeah. to, we'll, we'll find out in a few weeks if it's going to be past 10 million tons Okay. But uh, wow. Italy and Turkey were the two biggest clients, right? From what I understand. Okay. And uh, huge shipments of, because uh, this time Italy was better prepared. So this is, you're not hearing about shortages this time. Ah. Um, the, 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 the factories are, are full. They're, they're ready to go. Right. And I see, you see that in Canada too, right? Most, you know, where it doesn't look like we're going to, you know, run out of toilet paper this time. And uh, mm. looks like we're all, we're probably because we're all stocked up the last year. Right. So, um, <laughs> But uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, just when you think you, you, you've seen everything and then something pops up, right? And uh, mm. to surprise you, right? So like the latest I heard, like, you know, I mean, I know I said earlier it was turkeys, right? That maybe there's concern around turkeys, but yeah. it could be people are just buying earlier mm -hmm. than normal. So, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, no, it's, but we, it did, you know, when Italy got hit, I think that, that woke us up a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there was that sense that I think that oh, it could be contained in China. And then it, uh, mm -hmm. and then when it spread so fast in Italy, that was, I think, the first, you know, when it hit the Lombardy region, um, you know, and having, you know, some friends in uh, near Milan there. And uh, when you started hearing the stories from them and the lockdown, and uh, that's when it sent, the, you know, chills, right? Yes. Um, and you said, oh, I better get ready because it won't take long eh, before it comes. Yeah, it was about a month. Yeah. We think we were like a month away from that. Yeah, and it seems so surreal, right? I mean, I know we, we left the office on St. Patrick's Day, so you'll never forget, right? That every St. Patrick's Day now, as long as I live, yeah. is going to be, I'm going to remember that. I remember that's when the shutdown started, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For most uh, Ontarians, that's when it started. Mm -hmm. uh, the emergency order came in, and uh, yeah, we went home, and we were home until, you know, early part of June, right? Uh, but it's it, it's weird. It just feels like so long ago. Yet it's still 2020, right? Yes. Yeah. How do you how do you handle stress? Ah, uh, it's you know, like I said, early mornings, listen to your real pop music. Um, you know, I listen to you know podcasts. Mm. I read, I read a lot of stuff. Um, share stuff on Instagram and LinkedIn. Yeah. Talk to talk to a lot of people. Um, it's uh, you know I think stress for a lot of people it's been challenging over the years. Mm. It's uh, something you you have to learn, right? You have to. I think for me for me it's learning what's important in life. Yeah, and uh, you know when you see people what they're going through, it kind of puts things in perspective. Yes, the, who are going through more challenging times than you are, mm -hmm. and uh, and you. But it ta it, it takes time to learn that, right? You know, and it's, it's true. Think about 
if you are going through something stressful, five years from now, is it going to be relevant? Like, are you even going to remember it? It's a good point. You know? And I learned that after I left the bank, right? Because the bank can be a very stressful job. I still have a lot of friends uh, and family that work in banks and uh, it's sales is not for everybody. Right. And uh, it's in the banks. A lot of people don't realize is you see what the hardships people are going through. Mm. I couldn't imagine being a banker this year. I went through the 2008, 2009 crisis. Oh boy. And uh, a little different back then because it was a, you know, what people would say a real recession, right? Um, created by the market forces and uh, yeah. whereas this one was created by a pandemic, but you know, it was stressful then and challenging. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, but you know, I said, to, I said to myself personally, you know, I can only do this maybe for another couple more years. Uh, you know, banking's fun when you're helping businesses and they're growing or, if, you know, as other bankers will say, getting someone their first house, it's always exciting. Right. Yeah. And if everything goes well, you're happy, right. For a person, right. Mm-hmm. When things go bad, it's just a stressful. Right. So, and, uh, and that's what I heard from my friends in, uh, that work in the bank this year. It was very, very hard for them. Yeah. I've been around for a long time. And, uh, but then I moved on, right. I went into what I really love is economic development. And, How did that happen? Uh, well, I applied for the job. I got it. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, most economic development jobs in cities like Thunder Bay and up, you have to have a, really a business background, right? Okay. Or political background or something, a development background and, uh, you know, or be at least some, somewhat experienced in that sector, right? So it could be tourism, you know, have experience or in John's case, he had experience working for government and mining. Yeah. And in my case it was banking and also having a political studies background. So it was that combination. Oh. It's, uh, it helped. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I applied for the job and, uh, yeah, I went. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected, uh, and uh, you know I've had a great eight and a half years right. working with a lot of great people, right? So yeah. and still learning a lot. You know, I came at the job thinking I knew a lot about the city and, and mm. its internal structures with a political studies background, but <laughs> I can tell you I've learned a lot. <laughs> um, a lot good. of good people that work that work really hard. I mean, a lot of city city employees don't get kudos, but uh, mm. I can tell you I don't want to be out at three o'clock in the morning in January uh, cleaning the streets or. Yeah, uh, down in the sewers trying to unplug baby wipes. You know, baby wipes, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they a lot of a lot of good good people working really hard, and uh, this year's been really challenging for a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly in the summer with you know you couldn't do activities for kids. You know, it was hard on a lot of people, and people you know those stories you don't hear about, right? And it's it's been challenging for a lot of them, and particularly you know for the the long term care homes, right? Yeah, uh, you know it's just uh, I know for a lot of them it was difficult because you know they're bringing people to the windows to see their their family through the windows, right? Yeah, just uh, that's hard. It is you know for of course the families, it's also hard for the workers to they're really they were the only conduit, right? I know, and I mean we've seen enough stories on TV, right? The, yeah. That are you know just. It was heartbreaking. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I uh, know. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So now, yeah, I'm just letting this sink in a little bit because I live I live close to the one that is um, where we have it right now at the Roseview. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I drive by sometimes. 
because I have to drop off my child at school and I'm just thinking it's it's right there. It's just like and then I'm just like, oh my god. So yeah, it's um, you know we knew we we knew it was coming right uh, in terms of not the pandemic but the problems that there were at the homes and mm. been talked about for years and um, you know I really hope that the governments do address it mm. and uh, and give the care to you know the seniors that that they deserve right and uh, yes um, and bring on the, the the amount of staff that's needed right so it was no big secret it was. Uh, labor shortages. Um, I mean, we, we, we're trying to help with our, you know, rural and northern immigration pilot program. So I'm glad to say that, you know, we've been able to bring in, you know, a few people to help hopefully address some of those concerns, but there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of, you know, St. Joseph Care Group has said that, you know, how many people they need is, like, you know, in the hundreds, right? And yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's important to do that, right? So. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's like society society needs to change in a way where we appreciate elders differently? Mm, that's a loaded question. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up to yeah, appreciate uh I think I think most people do of course respect and appreciate elders. It's just a matter of um I think yeah, we, we realize now that we have to put more money towards it. Mm. I mean I'll let the politicians decide, you know, if it should be private or public, but uh Uh, because there's good people that work at, at those facilities, and uh, but obviously there's, a, there's a, obviously a greater need to have more more staff, more caring. And I think you know the federal provincial governments recognize that now. Yeah, you know, to, unfortunately, it took this to get them to hmm. move to that level. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, I keep my you know fingers crossed that, that in the year from two that these homes will have the support they need, the staff they need. Um, you know, maybe the wages to be paid that are, should, should be paid. And I, mm. I think the premier and the prime minister have recognized that, that, yeah, they need to have higher wages, yeah. you know, um, because you are, you know, caring for our parents, grandparents, right? So, and, uh, you know, they, they deserve to be cared for, right? So Indeed. Yeah. They are the builders of the country that were there before us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's, that's. I read. A, I don't know where I heard it, but the generations when they like they have a different mindset, right? Each generation has a different mindset, yeah. and it change. Let's say, just for example, my parents they got still beaten in school, <clears throat> and then I didn't get that because I was in a different age, and yeah. the, and then the mental acceptance that there is within people because it's always different and then there's a minority and then there's a m less people believing in certain other things. It's interesting how, how complicated it is and how many opinions there are. Yeah, I think it's, you know, you bring up a good point, right? I always tell people, and I've told this to a number of millennials too, it's, it's interesting. I'll be in the room and I'm the youngest guy in the room talking about youth subjects, right? Mm. And uh, policy around youth. And I'm going, okay, like I'm 49 years old here and I'm the youngest guy. Uh, but I think people, like I always tell people my age and older that it wasn't really that long ago that you were a teenager, right? It's Remember true. what, you know, what trouble you got into or, um, you know, what stupid things we said, you know, we joke with my friends all the time. I got, you know, thank God the internet wasn't around when we were partying. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, but it wasn't that long ago. Like, you know, I, I still remember teachers in high school saying to me, remember this moment, right? Mm. Um, Because in about 30 years, you're going to be saying, 
the same thing about what we're saying about you right now, right? Yeah. It's, it's today. And it, it's funny. I, I think I caught myself a couple of years ago. I said it and I'm like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. It was like a flashback, right? And uh, I said, yeah, geez, you know, she was right that uh, I was going to say it, right? And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> but I, I wore millennials too. I said, mm. 30 years now. <laughs> you're going to be saying the same thing. And, uh, yeah. you know, but I, I do have a lot of hope in our youth. Um, you know, you brought up that, you know, what's accepted and what's not accepted. Mm. They are very quick to recognize and, uh, you know, glad to say that, you know, especially a lot of Canadian youth are very quick to recognize uh, what's important, right? What's socially acceptable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here, you know, a lot of times I think that I'm doing a lot of the right things and my kids will catch me too sometimes saying certain things, mm. you know, um, you know, making certain assumptions, right? And they'll say, well, how do you know? Like, you know, it's, for example, you know, our city is becoming more diversified, right? With the number of international students coming to the city uh, from, a, you know, from a facial perspective, right? Ethnically, Thunder Bay is very diverse. Um, a lot of people don't realize that over the years, but uh, racially, we've become much more diversified, right? Okay. And, you know, my, my kids caught me like, oh, look, you know, look how many international students at the bus stop there. And my kids will say, well, how do you know they're not from Toronto or they're from where they were born here? You know, and that was yeah. a good point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I have friends who work in the retail industry and it's, you know, in the food industry. And uh, one funny story someone told me was, you know, someone, someone went up to one of the, you know, students said, oh, what part of India are from? The guy said Calgary. So, um, <laughs> you yes. know, realizing that's, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, these questions aren't asked in the big cities, right? I mean, mm. But I mean, I, I've seen it in Toronto, Montreal, and others where you know people still ask the questions, right? It's, yeah, it's not the you know English-speaking person, right? That's from Europe or mm-hmm. uh, Western Europe, say. But uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. We just we that's just like we just assume, right? Yeah, like I know, like you said, you know, you're from Germany, right? But you make an assumption that maybe you're from Westport, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, people always think I'm French. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I was, yeah. I was, I think uh, we did, we did a couple of trips to um, certain bigger cities in Canada before we moved. I moved with my parents together because I was dependent on them and because of the whole immigration paper stuff. And um, when I remember we were somewhere uh, in this hotel and we were talking and I talked to somebody else that was Canadian or speaking English. And then he said, oh, yes. And then he spoke French to me. And I was like, what is, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> In English, and said, and yeah. you, you're not French. I said no, no. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it just happens. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, what do you think about um, Thunder Bay and the future? Like, are we is Thunder Bay going to be like a like a huge city? Is Thunder Bay going to blow up one year, or is, <laughs> like it's. it's you know, sometimes they release always those numbers every four or five years with mm-hmm. the census. And I always felt like the news, this is just my personal opinion, that it was like yeah. pushed that uh, numbers would go down and people are leaving. But I feel like it's the opposite right now. I feel like people are actually coming to Thunder Bay. And now with the pandemic, people seeing Thunder Bay is, is more isolated and it's maybe it's even safer. It's more affordable. There's like people see Thunder Bay differently for certain aspects. Yeah, it's, uh, 
yeah, I would say that, uh, yeah, explosion's always hard. Like, you know, I, I used Moncton as an example, right, in New Brunswick, that they've done a good job of growing their population in the last five years. Uh, a lot of effort, though, eh? like a lot of effort. And the community there really, you know, talking to colleagues there, have really come, you know, behind uh, newcomers and uh, working well with them. And But Thunder Bay, where I see a lot of potential is uh, with First Nations. Um, you can see that, uh, you know, they're uh, doing very well in terms of uh, certain areas of the economy. Um, many of the First Nations from the outer areas are moving to Thunder Bay. Um, of course, we, do, we, we face a lot of challenges in that area. Uh, I think there's still a lot, a lot of work to do. Um, it's but Fort William First Nation, for example, is, is doing fairly well in terms of uh, growing businesses and uh, moving in the right direction in terms of the economy. Mm. And uh, the chief there and council have done you know a great job. And uh, I see a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, you, you see Nan taking over buildings downtown Fort William, renovating the buildings, really bringing a lot of life to the area. Um, Lot, we work with a lot of great partners, um, you know, on the mining strategy, for example, with, uh, that we're working on right now, uh, renewed mining strategy. Uh, mining's, you know, we talk about Ring of Fire, we talk about other areas. Uh, I remember 2012, you know, coming into the office there, and it was such a big deal, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, talking with John, I said, but you have these other projects too, right, that are going to be coming online. And we saw, like, with North American Palladium and others that have come online and created. Um, I mean, the Ring of Fire, is could be a cha- it's a challenge, right? I mean... Um, it's going to need federal and provincial support on a large scale. Um, the consultations have to continue with the First Nations, making yeah. sure everyone is is in agreement there. And uh, but in the meantime, other projects have gotten off the ground with strong First Nation support. Uh, you know, true true partnerships, true relationships in, in certain parts of Northwest Ontario. And uh, but that's where I see the future, and it's a it's a bright one. I see that uh, you know, uh, like I said, that we have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's moving in the right direction. I think they're, you know, right leaders getting into place. And, uh, but we, we, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, by 20, 2030 that Thunder Bay be around 135,000 people. Mm. Um, I'm trying to be conservative and realistic that, you know, that's, uh, if everything goes right with immigration, just the things we're seeing right now, the patterns are moving right. And you're right to, you know, costs is, plays a big role. And, I think what COVID has done is is woken up a lot of people to the fact that uh, the families that have moved to Thunder Bay yeah. are the ones that have said, listen, I want to have a house. Yeah. And so we've had PSWs and nurses move to Thunder Bay and other, other occupations saying, you know, $300,000, that seems reasonable, right? Yeah. 1.2 million doesn't. You know, I need 300000 just to buy a house, get a down payment crawl, right? <laughs> and uh, it's... You know, and but we see people move from out west too. Like yeah. it's uh, particularly Alberta because of the ups and downs in the Alberta economy. Mm-hmm. Very challenging, and uh, you know, people do get. You know, I've received calls from former Thunder Bayans that are moving back to Thunder Bay because they said, you know what, I've been out here twenty years. My family's now. I have a family. I want them to stay with their grandparents. Yeah, I want to come back. Is there a job available for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so we're seeing. We're seeing that, right, uh, movement towards back. And some are looking to invest in properties. Some are looking to, you know, they call me and ask, you know, what businesses are for sale because we have a page dedicated to that. Ah. But I'm aware of some businesses that, uh, you know, are keeping more low-key. Um, you know, it's uh, interesting. But, uh, you know, in First Nations, again, 
there's a lot of First Nations that are investing in the city, mm-hmm. uh, making huge investments in our city. And uh, we've, we've seen a lot of great First Nation businesses starting up. Uh, you know, I think of Jason Thompson from uh, Superior Strategies, Working Warriors, uh, doing, you know, his business is growing very fast. Uh, we're seeing a lot of growth in the, in the north, you know, like uh, the Scriber Terrace Bay, um, you know, First Nations making investments in those areas. So, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, it's a matter of keeping up the relationships, keeping up those partnerships, working well together. And uh, I can see a lot of opportunity, right? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we are in the right direction. It's, there was uh, there finally was a dialogue where we admitted that there we, that we can do better and that there, there, there is a lot of problems. And, yeah. um, you know, that was opened up and now we can all do our part. Yeah, and I see that. In the, I've seen it change the last five years with First Nations and, uh, you know, and newcomers. Yeah. Uh, I can see that positively that it's moving in the right direction. Good. Um, still got to slap some people in the head, though. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, um, you know, I'm not afraid to say that to people, right? Like, good. <laughs> but the unfortunate thing is now people are scared when they get around me because they're scared to say something, <laughs> you know. And uh, but I think it's important to keep that dialogue open. And uh, you know, again, some of our partners and some of my friends, you know, like they they agree that you have to keep the dialogue open, right? Yes. The worst thing we did was we didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. We refused to talk about it, and uh, I think now it's it's moving in the right direction and uh, people are starting to recognize that, you know, you, you still, I still get the comments though. Right. You know, like, you know, um, Oh, it's, a, it's incredible. They work hard. <laughs> like, mm. You know, like after 30 years of studying a lot of this stuff and working in it, it's, uh, it's still, I don't know why it still surprises me, but uh, of course they work hard. Like, you know, you know, it's like uh, my, my father went through that too, right? You know, it's, you know, the Italians went through that in the fifties and sixties uh, and seventies, not too long ago, really, to be honest. Uh, yeah. But you know, like all people drive trucks there or, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, it's Canadians that drive trucks in Italy and Germany, right? Like there's no pickup trucks in Germany. Like there's yeah. maybe, there's maybe one or two, like, and then it's just like, everybody's like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. Like, the, the roads are smaller too. True. The, True. the toilets are smaller. Everything is more compact. <laughs> yeah. More dense, right? It's a, yeah. It's a different. Yeah. But no, I, I have a lot of hope and I think that, yeah, the city's moving in the right direction. We have a lot of, like I said, a lot of good leaders um, that really, you know, are putting their best foot forward and trying their best, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of work to do still. A lot of work. Yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, I always like to say we are all from somewhere, right? You know, maybe I can go back three generations. Maybe I can't, but like we are all on the same planet. And for Canada, it's like Canada stands for this multiculturalism. Like this is what Canada is. We are we are all here yeah. together. That's just like this is the greatness in Canada. Yeah, we are, we are all from so. somewhere, and we like everybody's equal. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's like. I don't know. This is, I think maybe it's just, especially with the history of Germany and like the way it was presented for me in high school. It was always like we were. I was always like I didn't even know before it. Like like we talked about things in 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 the, within the family about history, but like even the wall, I didn't remember. I didn't know that there was a wall till I was older. <clears throat> 
because we just never talked about it. Yeah, and then eventually I knew, and I was like, "What? There was a wall." And then, yeah, it's funny. I, I show my kids, you know, fairly recently about the wall, right? Mm-hmm. It was the anniversary, you know, a couple, few weeks ago, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I remember it vividly because I was taking political science that first year, and uh, I've always been interested in in politics, right? So I used to watch it, like, you know, uh, it started when I was fairly young, actually. Uh, I started watching the Iran hostage situation mm-hmm. young, you know, because back then you only had two channels. So here's the story. And, uh, um, you know, everyone was kind of on the same page, you know, we joke about media manipulation and everything, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a big world out there, as you know, Michael, like yeah. me and you, I know I can tell that, you know, you get, you get your media just outside North America. Right. And, uh, in a lot of cases, right? And the same with me. And uh, and I keep telling people, there's a big world out there. A lot of people don't care about maybe certain subjects because they have their own concerns mm-hmm. of what they're concerned about, right? And uh, and it applies to every category, I feel, like music, right? Uh, you know, I like certain music that maybe is not popular on North American radio, but I grew up with that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, but you, I, I enjoy, like, learning that's what I enjoy. I always enjoy culture. And I think that uh, learn about different things and, but it's important to know about one thing about, I think, you know, in our education system is to put more Canada into the education system. Okay. What I mean by that more, more, you know, modern Canadian history, the stories are there. The filmmakers are there. Um, the musicians are there yeah. uh, in much greater numbers. And, uh, um, y- you know, and the literature is there now. To, that should be put put into academic, right? Anyway, you know, we don't have another two hours to talk about it, but uh, mm-hmm. it's important to add more of the stories of Canadian history, and includes learning more about First Nations. Yes, and, uh, and their and their and you know their history, our history, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, important to know those stories. It is. It makes us better people. So mm-hmm. that's a really good think, point. Yeah, and respect ourselves more, right? And once you know the history, in my experience, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, like I said, the State Thunder Bay has done a great job in the last few years of uh, when it comes to orientation, teaching, new, you know, new workers about, you know, colonization, residential schools, everything. And uh, I've been to a couple of sessions early on, and it was an eye-opener for a lot of people. I was fortunate because I took political studies. I learned a lot about this history. I've grown up around it. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate to have friends that have explained things to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned from them, you know, working in, at the bank and the city, uh, you know, they've, they've taught me a lot, right. To what to look out for. Right. And uh, the one thing I always, I always learned uh, is that first nation history and Canadian history, you know, are important and they should be taught more in the schools. So yeah, I think that will help mediate some of the problems. Right. So, Yes, and I think it is happening. Um, Albus, he's my, he's a six year old now. He was he just had his birthday. Yay! Shout out. Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and you know he you you are you aware of that orange shirt day? Yes. Yeah, and like this year, I uh, I don't know. I it was very present, and there was a lot of involvement with it, and I I love that that the awareness was brought into 
um, my eyes and everybody else who wants to see it. And, you know, I picked up, I was from school, and I remember he asked me questions about that. So it's like, I think it is, and he's grade one. So, like, there's certain stuff is happening where students in early grades are being um, introduced to that knowledge and to see what was happening. And, you know, I didn't know that. Like, I I didn't grow up in Canada, and I don't know the school system, so maybe they already did this beforehand, but this year I came across it. Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes people jump. <laughs> I'd be the first one to admit sometimes I jump on things uh, not necessarily related to culture or race, but uh, uh, other areas. Um, some people know how to push my buttons jokingly. Um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's like, it's like the recent changes, you know, in the last few years around LGBTQ, you know, mm-hmm. you're right. I didn't grow up. What I grew up was understanding there was two genders, right? Yeah. And it's been, you know, a great learning experience for me to understand. And I think it's encompassing on people to learn and give people time to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're right. Like I'm not in elementary school or high school. So I'm not getting the, you know, this education to understand, but I think it's still important because we have the tools out there to learn, right? I mean, you go onto Google, you can quickly find out um, on the right sites. It's true. <laughs> you know, I recommend people go to the Ministry of Education or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you can find things out uh, about things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at, but at the same time, give people, you know, take a deep breath. Let's, you know, let's learn and uh, don't uh, uh, go after people for, you know, making the wrong comments and, you know, and most people are pretty good. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's an education piece uh, for a lot of people. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, it, it's, you know, and as I, again, like I said, you know, 30 years ago, my teachers had warned me, right. That, and our classmates that, you know, these things are going to come around. Right. And then mm-hmm. you're going to learn, right. The, the challenges we face. Right. Yes. So, and in 30 years, will be something else different. They'll, you know, maybe society will look back and say, oh my God. Yeah, I know. You know, what were you guys thinking? Like, <laughs> couldn't you handle that pandemic better? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of, an, uh, you know, as I say around COVID, there's going to be a lot of analysis. It's going to be a big business. That'll be, if you want to know business, it's going to be analysis around COVID and mm. pandemic, how it impacted society and the economy and everything. Right. And, uh, yeah. That would be the big, big rush in 2022 because you see it in history, right? What happens? Yeah, it's. Uh, that's why I think you know I was a poli sci history major. I think it's important to uh, the history can teach you a lot. It's true. And how some certain things you know repeat themselves, right? And uh, at business, the same way you learn from your mistakes. You talk to mentors. You talk to others. That mm. um, why we work with a lot of people in that mentor because they've gone through some of the same problems that you might have, right. In terms of, you know, save you a lot of headaches, particularly in startups, mm-hmm. um, you know, so yeah, we went around about way to talk about startups, but uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Piero, did you ever think, because you have this background and you have, you, you studied political science, you said, did you, and history too. Did you, did you ever have like this idea that you want to do something with politics? I tried in 1997. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, unfortunately I didn't win. I guess things would be different now, but mm. uh, um, yeah, I still, sometimes I still think about it, Yeah. you know, maybe, I, but I, 
you know, lately I've, you know, it's, uh, I've been very, ex- you know, excited by what's happening in Thunder Bay. And I think I can make a bigger difference in, in behind the scenes, helping okay. businesses and grow. Right. And uh, really exciting, you know, you know, to see the interest in the city, the investment in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really, uh, you know, I see the factual, right. I see that, you know, people are calling from other centers in the country and other countries saying, how can I invest in the city? And what's been really exciting the past year has been the rural Northern immigration pilot. Yes. And when we first was announced that Thunder Bay was one of the selected cities, we were getting close to two, 300 emails a day. Wow. People wanted to move to, you know, Thunder Bay. A lot of times they were doing repeated emails to multiple cities. Um, Cause you know, sometimes it'd say, you know, dear Pirapuchi North Bay, or sometimes they'd have my colleagues in those cities and sure. And but uh you know, once the program started, not every city was ready. And uh, and then the emails got more refined and more specific. And then when people learned they actually had to apply to jobs directly, um, you know, so I had to work. Okay, I have a nursing background. Can I work at St. Joseph Care Group? No, I need to be registered in Ontario to work as a nurse at there. So, but now the emails are, you know, a good chunk of them were coming from Latin America for the longest time, like about 75%. Yeah. And and now it's about 40 to 50%. Um, so the two really big ones are India and Latin America. That's where we get majority of our emails and uh, inquiries from. And uh, what, what we really see, though, is people are staying here now, particularly with international students. They graduate. They get their permanent residence status. They're buying homes. They're buying cars. They're starting businesses. And we see that in the community. That's and beautiful. It's the, really the first big wave I've seen in, in, in my life since growing up as a kid. Um, the last big wave we had was really Italians, right? In the 70s, and early mm. 80s. Okay. It kind of petered out in the late 80s. Uh, but now it's, you're seeing with uh, South Asians, uh, you know, India, uh, really a large wave that start not a large wave, but a wave that's sustainable and staying. Mm-hmm. And not just Thunder Bay. We're seeing that in Terrace Bay. We're seeing in White River and Sault Ste. Marie. Good. We're seeing there's a growth there, right? And an investment in the, like a true investment in the communities. Like they're buying property. They're, yeah. Um, they really, they, you know, I, for what they tell me is that they, they really like it here. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, it's, and some of it's the cheesy stuff, right? Like the clean air, um, affordable pr- properties, yeah, um, safe, really start their own community, like to grow it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them feel like they can make a big difference here. So we're, we're seeing that now. Yeah. I, I can see yeah. that. It totally makes sense. I think it's really, really good. Yeah. Piero, did you have any, like, CEDC just dropped this video home, like Thunder Bay, right? That's like, that's a masterpiece right there. Yeah, I was very impressed. Um, to be honest, uh, you know, Eric was very good to show us, you know, afterwards, right? Um, we had some input, obviously, yeah, during the process. But uh, when I saw the video, I was... Pleasantly surprised, you know, there's a couple of interesting things in there that maybe, you know, some people went out like, but, uh, you know, the hanging moose and, mm. but, uh, I think it really, really shows Thunder Bay. Yeah. And what some, some feedback I've gotten actually from colleagues in Toronto was, you, you know, it's not a, a splashy video, like, you know, the, the, you know, how some videos you see promotion videos, it just highlights all the almost all too good, too good stuff. Right. Okay. The video seems to really highlight and the Westport productions has done a great job. Yeah. Um, 
which is no surprise there, they really highlighted what Thunder Bay is. So if you watch that video, you know what you're coming to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. As a, as a person moving or a visitor, you, you know what was good. And it's great that we can use that video, not just for, you know, attracting talent, but also from a tourism perspective. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, that's one video. In previous years we've done, we've really highlighted the professional aspect of the city mm-hmm. and the technology. This one really seemed to focus really on the day-to-day life, you know, what's there to offer. And still some of focus on some of the professional stuff, right? Yeah. And, uh, but you can see the nature and the food scene really played a critical role. It's very, uh, it's very personal, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, That's a good point to put it. Yeah. Is, is that like, why is the shift into that now? What is, what do you, what is the message? I think it's just trying to get the point across that, mm-hmm. you know, here we are, this is who we are. Uh, we're not ashamed to be who we are. Um, and uh, there, there's a very, you know, I think a lot of people forget that, again, going back to history, right? That, uh, you know, we have 10,000 years of history here. Mm. And that's the way I put it. And when I have visitors come from other country, they say, you know, oh, Thunder Bay is a young city. I said, the city might be young, but the area is 10,000 years old, right? And there's a wow. lot of historical significance. And I'm still learning, right? You know, it's once in a while it comes out, um, you know, they'll find something somewhere, right? That's dated 9,000 years old. Right. And, uh, yes. Um, you know, and I think people, you know, it's because we don't have a building that maybe is 3,000 years old or standing still. Right. But mm-hmm. the history is there. The, the, you know, the, it's still an important part of our, our culture here. And, uh, um, that's what I, you know, I feel that's part of what that video shows is, you know, here, here we are. Right. And who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's important because you, you don't want to, I've seen it too many times, you know, even myself personally, that you go to a community, it's not what it, you thought it was, right? True. And the videos, again, it's just one step in, in in the process for a person to move. But at least it's a good step to show, okay, this is what, what it is, what we are. Um, it's cold here. Um, the only time I do get asked that question, though, is from people from the GTA. Um <laughs> No one in Western Canada has ever asked me how cold it is in Thunder Bay. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they're colder. <laughs> oh, and, uh, you know, um, even at least people, they know where Thunder Bay is. Um, so it's, uh, it's you know, that's my little jokes about the GTA, right? I think we all make those jokes. But, uh, um, but you know, it, it's, it's who we are. I mean, and I always tell, you know, my colleagues and others that don't try to pretend that the city is something it's not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it gets to minus 30 in the winter. We have great summers. You know, it's not hard to brag about that. And, uh, um, you know, the air is fresh and clean. No doubt about that. And, uh, you know, if you're looking to go watch an NHL hockey team, yeah, it's not going to happen. So, yes. But we still have some great hockey players that, if you, if you enjoy hockey, right? So, mm-hmm. and there's other amenities too in the sea. I think what, you know, surprises people, a lot of visitors, and we heard, we heard that over and over again this summer, actually, much more was that like, Oh, look, look how many Walmarts you have, like for a city of your size. Right. Mm. The comment we get for people who visit Thunder Bay for the first time is, is how big they, it is. For some reason, there's a sense that, you know, it might be a city of 20,000 people. Right. Yeah. But they get here, they see that it's, you know, it is fairly spread out. It is. Uh, these cities. Yeah. And, um, but the amenities here, there's, they're, they're stunned by it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they, 
just, you know, shopping is one area, um, but also, you know, the amount of grocery stores, the amount of, you know, the amount of stories, you know, as one guy put it to me this summer, is that, you know, how you talk about parts of the city like West Fork, Current River, being in Algoma, and the histories in those areas, it's just, mm. it's amazing to him, right? You know, and, uh, you know, it's just a matter of continuously to talk about those stories. And, uh, you know, I'm an urban guy. Like, I'm the first one to admit that. Okay. I probably don't appreciate or use the the outdoors as much as I should. Mm. Like, I never hunted, right? Uh, fished a little bit over my life. Um, you know, a lot of those things that we, you know, maybe take for granted. But uh, I do enjoy some of the parks around in the city. I, but I'm, I'm a concrete guy. I like going to cafes. I like to, yeah. you know. But, uh, and I think, you know, that's what people are surprised, but you could, that you can still do that. Right. You yes. can still a bit of concrete jungle. Right. So, yes, it is. Yeah. It's what me surprised when I first got here was how spread out it is. That was like, this was like unique to me for how it was, but I, where did you come? Which city did you come from in Germany? Uh, Dortmund. That's close by Cologne. That's like the, oh, by Cologne. Okay. yeah, it's like this area where like 16 million people are all close together, but there's like certain cities close by. It's it was the uh, the mining area way back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. A lot of coal. Okay. Yeah. So you know, my my grandfather he was a he was a miner, and you know that was what it was. It was good. That's what happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I really wanted to highlight that video because you know there was a great reception for what I saw and. It was uh, like everybody I know, almost everybody shared it and like reposted it and just put it out there. Such a yeah, that's a lot of good feedback. Such a great message for like yeah. highlighting Thunder Bay. Really, really good. Do you think we should have more soccer shots? Uh... <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think it yeah. was perfect. I think it was just, uh, yeah. you know, I it was for me. It, I can tell you how I received it. It was personal. It was like you said. It was exactly what Thunder Bay stands for, and that's what it is. It's like you get the feeling. You connect with it. They're very, very emotional, like down to basic. Yeah. And it was for me. It was more like a message for people to say, "Hey, you know, you, should, you guys should check this out. This is a good place to be." Yeah, and I think the uh, you know first first thing is you know do you like the city? The second and most important is there a job, right? I mean, most of the world moves to where where there's work. That's why there's movement to you know urban cities across the world. Mm. And you know, we talked about Moncton earlier. Moncton has shown that it can show that it has the jobs that are available. Now, do we have certain jobs that, you know, people want to do? Like, you know, I want to work for the United Nations. No, you're not going to have that job here, right? Yeah. But there might be a job at the university that relates to that. Yeah. You know, we used to joke that, you know, before the cyclotron came on board in Thunder Bay, at Thunder Bay Regional Research Institute, that, you know, you want to be a nuclear scientist? Well, that's not around, but now it is, right? So mm. <laughs> those examples are are available, right? So, um but yeah, it's. I think it you you know right it opens up the eyes a little bit and mm -hmm. maybe you know consider uh, you know to move to a smaller center right and 
I say this to people, you know, to be honest, I say this to people in Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal. You know, what are you looking for when you're in, in a city? You know, they said, well, you know, Thunder Bay is too far from Toronto. I said, okay, well, you consider Sarnia, you consider London. Like, I'm not afraid to say about other cities. I have colleagues and friends in all these cities, and, I, and they're all great places to live, right? I've lived in southwest Ontario. You know, they, they face some of the same political challenges like we do. They sometimes feel ignored, you yeah. know, by the great, you know, big city of Toronto. And, uh, you know, the, and the reason why I ask those questions is because then I find out if they're really serious about moving outside the GTA. Yeah. You know, in a lot of cases, people will say, and rightly so, they have, they have family in Toronto. Of course, you're not going to move if your family's there. I can understand that, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, if it's, not, it's not about distance then. It's about just not leaving your what you're used to, right, and growing up. And, you know, that's part of the reason. I moved away a couple of times and I've come back because, you know, I love the city and I grew up here. And I know, you know, I know where everything is and, you know, and a lot of great people live here. So I know. I know. I'm in the same boat now. <laughs> I would not, as you know, I, the sense of community and what it stands for and what you, with the possibilities, I think that's just, but if I break it down to one thing, it's just community. That's what, that's it. You know, the people can like, Vince said to me, Hey, put Piero on and you, he connected us both. And then you said, okay, let's do it. Like we've never talked before and now here we are and I talk to you. And this is, this is like, this is community. And this is like, this is Sunday Bay. It's great. And that's, that's, that's how I wrap it up. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? Yeah. I mean? And I, yeah. Like, you know, I, you know, one of your future speakers, you know, I, you know, it's my colleague, Paul Pepe, right? Mm. I mean, you want to hear stories. I mean, he'll tell you about, you know, the nature side of things much more than I could. Right. And, uh, Because he's experienced it all. Yes. You know? Yes. And uh, talk to you about, you know, the kayaking, you know, the resorts around the city. Like, you know, I learned so much, you know, just working with him for the last two years. And uh, mm. uh, what what is available that I, you know, lived here most of my life. And I, I didn't even know it was available. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, little, you know, and you've probably come across yourself, you know, little surprises around the city. Right. Endless. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, You know, that's, you know, we talk about the sprawl but at the same time. There's these little gems that, uh, you know, the food scene I'm very up to date on and keen on, but uh, there's the nature stuff I call, like, you know, little fishing holes, other stuff that mm. uh, you just learn every day about, right? And But I still meet people on some days, Michael, you know, laugh is they've never been to Westport, right? Yeah. Maybe lived 50 years, and, you know, and I'll tell them about a place where, you know, there might be something there that they enjoy a certain food, and they're like, where's that? Like, Exactly. Still, it still surprises me, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, or you know, you've been to that place in Kakabeka. Oh no, never been there. Like, okay, well, yeah, you know. So it's uh, still, it's it's enjoyable. That it's it still shows you that there's still enough action in the city, as I would, you know. Yes. Yeah. I I, th I think it's endless. I think there's so much happening, and like you said, there's new things happening too. It's like. It's, and then you know if you are into waterfall hunting that that's a that's a whole other world yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i you know some of these great photographers we have in town right and and videographers like damien mm -hmm. he shows places i'm like oh, where is this place like you know like yes. you know and uh you know amanda too like showing places like you know these little caves and i'm like 
you know, I want to go there now. Right. You know, how do you get there? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, uh, you know, and again, that's another thing too. Like we have this core group of people in the city, um, that are really proud to see it. And they really highlight what's happening, you know, and, uh, great thing about technology that, you know, like, you know, we can do the show, right. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of great bloggers in our city, right. And, Very true. Uh, yeah. And a lot of expats have told me, and, you know, some people might not realize is they follow a lot of these people mm-hmm. and say, it's so nice to see how many people talk nice about the city. Right. And yeah. And show all these great things that, uh, you know, so when they come visit, now they know where to go, what to do, mm. what to enjoy, what experience. And, uh, you know, and again, the great thing is, you know, they're, you know, young people, right. That are doing, you know, like yourself, that are doing great things, uh, uh, to highlight what's going on in the city. And really, uh, you know, what I, what I appreciate is, you know, highlighting individuals, maybe that don't get the, the recognition that they deserve, right. In terms of, uh, cause there's still a lot of people in our city that do a lot of great work, but you know, they want to stay behind the scenes, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of them I talk to and, you know, Vince does the same thing like I do is, you know, you, you want to highlight what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Great work, right? And they're like, but they're happy and, they're, you know, and you respect that, right? The, uh, the great stuff that they're doing, right? So, yes, you know, you know, I, I noticed that, you know, we didn't talk about earlier, like tech companies, you know, like there's, there's quite a few of them in the city now that do great work, right? Mm. And uh, they want to keep remain low key and, uh, you know, don't necessarily, you know, have to brag about themselves, right? So as they would put it, right? So yeah, and you know, for each their own, that's that's okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and I I see pleasure in talking to people in the community, and you know, and this is what the show is about too. It's more about the person, the journey, and you know, I've I've put on various backgrounds and. I've talked to people that you don't have to have a thousand followers or two thousand followers. They, they, there's no definition. It's just like, hey, you want to come on the podcast? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> You'll pay for your Instagram followers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I get those all the time, uh, but I, I, I always delete them. I don't. I don't believe it. I don't think it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah. uh, it's interesting, but no, I mean, yeah, you've done a great job of. Uh, I mean, the feedback I've gotten about your show has been the, the creativity of the artwork. Ah, you yes, know, yes, yes. You know, some people, you know, are said, is that how I look like an animation? Like, a <laughs> <laughs> or however you call it, please correct me if I'm saying it wrong. No. Uh, you know, and some of the work you're doing is great as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, yeah, Lisa does the artwork for Us by the Giant. So that okay. Us by the Giant is the, the original first podcast I started with Logan together. And we, we this one is for about businesses and well, how they started, and then a little bit about the person, and then just like some space news and geeky stuff at the end. But like, mm. it's like Lisa does the artwork, and that's the cover, right? You talking about? Yeah, yeah. So that's it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah, she's like she's the best for this. Like she she built that brand. Like that's this is her. So she's like she's yeah. she's she's a partner. Again, another example of great entrepreneurship and mm. artwork in the city. So, yeah, yeah, and then, well, including myself, I'm always amazed by the number of artists. You know, until I actually go to the farmers market or other craft shows, and mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, and then you meet people who've written books. You know, like I've gone to ThunderCon and stuff, and oh, you know, whose book is this? It's mine. Yes, you're like, wow, mm. you know, it's a, 
you know, and uh, to have that, like, you know, I think of one that, uh, you know, she, to have that ability to write a story that, you know, that fantasy, I've always been impressed by that. Right. Yeah. So cause I'm more of a, you know, again, history major facts, you know, somewhat fictional stories, but it always seems to relate around, you know, politics or history. Right. And, uh, mm. but you know, I always impressed by people who have that fascination and yeah. the stories and fantasies. Right. So you should write a book about your journey at the CEDC. And, you know, I should, yeah, when I retire, yeah, yeah, you know, because like the journey and how it went and what choices and stuff like that, I think that would be so interesting to see. I would read it, yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah, yeah, because it's like it's knowledge that is like it's not readily available to everybody, yeah, and yeah, you- it's uh, I'll think about it, you know, it depends, you know, different student drinking espresso that day or. Yeah. writing uh, yeah it starts sometimes yeah you, you gotta start those notes now <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll need to because i won't remember <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah i need a computer to just talk to right and, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah i know the technology is there I, I need to use it so yeah yeah, yeah like matthew mcconaughey he wrote uh daily notes for 30 years or something and now he he put wow. this he put this into a book And it's oh, like, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, he's like, it's called Green Lights or something. And uh, I'm just like, I, I ordered the book because I'm like fascinated by the character a little bit. <clears throat> and because the book is more about like choices. Like, oh, I went to this play and I did this act and then uh, something happened and it, he just explains things. Yeah. He has a suit voice, eh? Yeah. I know that he does, uh, uh, I can't remember where I was watching, a Graham Norton show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Bublé on there, and uh, and uh, you've probably seen that episode where uh, you know I go to sleep at night listening to you, <laughs> you know, and uh, I didn't realize he did those little yeah. stories, right? And yeah. uh, but he has the voice for it. I mean, I was impressed two weeks ago, right? How he remembered that Michael Rapino was from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Mm-hmm. So Michael obviously talks about Thunder Bay a lot, right? Yes. Yeah. For someone like Matthew McConaughey, remembered that Michael was from Thunder Bay. Michael must brag a lot, right, about the city. So, and I know, I know, I know he he does do that. So, um, but yeah, he, you know, it's just that's an amazing talent. Just remember that, right? So, it is. Yeah, yeah. If you that's if you this busy, yeah, for sure. <sighs> okay, I think I'm 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 good. Are you good? Did it, did we touch? I'm good, yeah, yeah. I'm usually in bed 45 minutes ago, so this is really good for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's a new challenge, see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could, I wasn't able to tell. I'm the show always starts a little bit later because of the kids. Of course, yeah. Put yeah. in the bed, right? Yeah, yeah. they got to be down, and then we, we're good to go. I I would like to say thank you very, very much, Piero, to be on the show today and bringing this perspective to everybody <clears throat> to see the involvement with the CDC, what it stands for and what it does and for people to comprehend this a little bit more and I know there's more and we didn't talk about everything but like to yeah. it's good to see you here and speak with you and get to know those things yeah no I appreciate the invitation and uh, you know anything you ever need uh, don't hesitate to call us right so okay I might do <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Piero. I wish you a wonderful night. 
And I wish you all the you best too. and stay safe, okay? You too. And same to all your viewers. Eh? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. All the best.